Warning, the Our Voice podcast contains explicit language and may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody to episode two of the Our Voice podcast. I'm your host Anthony Montarulo, joined here uh, by my co-host Adrian Higgins. Hi. And uh, founder of the Our Voice organization, uh, former DNC chair candidate Sam Ronan. Hey, how's it going, everybody? All right, so uh, let's go through some of the news for the week. Okay, so our uh, first story uh, broke late last week as we were recording, so we didn't have time to talk about it, but the uh, DNC fraud lawsuit has been quite the interesting story unfolding. Uh, this is an article from RT because no mainstream uh, media outlet in America is covering this story, except for... Really? Yeah, Not anybody media. is covering the lawsuit right now. Not yeah, even yeah. CNN. The, the, the extent of mainstream media coverage I've seen is Jake Tapper retweeted an article about it. But there's literally, to my knowledge, <laughs> been zero television coverage on any of the cable news channels. Wow. Which is, I'm sure, by design. That's not an accident. But uh, I just want to go through some of the details uh, here in the RT article. Uh, so a lawsuit brought against the Democratic National Committee and its former chair, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, by Bernie Sanders donors, has revealed that the DNC believes its own rules of impartiality don't apply, uh, and they can pick whatever candidate they wish. This is a quote from the lawyer, by the way. We could have voluntarily decided that, look, we're going to go into back rooms like they used to and smoke cigars and pick the candidate that way, DNC's lawyer Bruce Spiva told a Florida court. Uh, the suit has three different cases of plaintiffs, those who donated to the DNC, those who donated to the Bernie Sanders campaign, and all members of the Democratic Party. Uh, donors made contributions to the DNC and the Bernie Sanders campaign with the understanding that the presidential primaries would be conducted in a fair manner and are seeking damages for being misled. The DNC nominates, and this goes into the uh, what, what uh, the suit is alleging that the DNC is actually in violation of. The DNC nominates and confirms the Democratic uh, Party's presidential nominee after arranging the state caucuses and primaries, which determine who is eligible. The DNC is governed by the charter and bylaws of the Democratic Party. The DNC chair uh, should exercise impartiality and even-handedness as between the presidential candidates and campaigns, uh, according to Article 5, Section 4 of the uh, Democratic Party Charter. A South Florida court presided over by U.S. Federal Judge William J. Zlock uh, heard the defendants argue a motion to dismiss last week, which revealed a number of surprising arguments made by the DNC lawyers. In addition to that uh, cigar-filled uh, backroom comment, the defendants' lawyers argued that the suit is based on an internal rule which cannot be enforced and that the term impartial cannot be defined uh, people paid mo- <laughs> Yeah, that's real fucking balls to say that. People paid money in reliance on the understanding that the primary elections for the Democratic nominee nominating process in, the, in 2016 were fair and impartial. 
the plaintiff's lawyer, Jared Beck, said. And that's just not a bedrock assumption that we would assume just by virtue of the fact that we live in a democracy and we assume that our elections are run in a fair and impartial manner. But that's what the Democratic National Committee's own charter says. It says uh, in black and white, the defendants also argue that the judge cannot determine how the Democratic Party carries out its nomination process, as that would, quote, drag the court right into political squabbles. So you were suggesting that this is just part of the business, so to speak, that it's not unusual for, say, the DNC or the RNC to take sides with respect to any particular candidate and to support that candidate over another, the judge uh, responded. Uh, DNC's lawyers also appeared unsure of what the committee's role is, uh, with Spiva saying that he wasn't sure whether the uh, whether or not the DNC funded primaries. Judge Locke will rule on the motion to dismiss, although a date is yet to be set. In his closing statement, the judge said, I'll be candid with you. Uh, this is going to take some time. The legal issues are complex. If the case isn't dismissed, the suit will go to the discovery stage, which would include depositions from Debbie Wasserman Schultz, among others, before proceeding to trial. Uh, it is then that evidence from WikiLeaks, Guccifer, and others will be presented. So, uh, this seems like a pretty massive story that nobody is talking about. Uh, I don't know, what do, what do, what do you guys think uh, is the reason for that? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Adrian, would you like to jump into that one first, or...? <laughs> I mean, look at how they colluded with the DNC. The mainstream media colluded with the DNC during the primary. They were caught doing it. So, you know, they seem to just do whatever the DNC kind of wants them to do for some reason. Doesn't it seem like this all over again? Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, what do you, I mean, do you think like a memo circulated amongst like, you know, MSNBC, CNN, all those guys from the Democrats and, you know, from the the kind of uh, establishment wing of the party saying, look, don't talk about this, don't mention it, it's a non-story? Or do you think they just kind of instinctively knew on their own, ooh, this will make them unhappy, we shouldn't talk about this? I mean, at this point, they should know what would piss them off, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the funniest thing is, like, first of all, how he, the lawyer says he doesn't understand what impartial means. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what your uh, definition of is is. Basically, is what that was. No, so I mean, the, the a big part of the problem with with all the main, you know the mainstream media organizations is that they are kind of just mouthpieces for the establishment. But at this point, I, do you think it's because of access, or do you think it's just because they've stocked uh, those the, those channels and those you know those media organizations with? party loyalists to the point where it, it, the line's so blurred that they don't even consider reporting on things that would make the party look bad. You know, like the joy reads of the world. I, um, I'll take it a step further. Yeah. Uh, it's government collusion. I mean, think about it. No matter how you want to slice it. Okay, so the Democratic Party says, even though it's against their charter, that they're allowed to do whatever the hell they want. Technically, they're a business, and technically in the United States of America, you can do whatever the hell you want. That doesn't make it right, and that doesn't necessarily make it legal or moral, but, you know, there are enough legal gray areas and loopholes to where this is probably going to result in the DNC allowed to uh, put, uh, put, yeah, put their thumb on the primary in favor of Hillary Clinton, regardless of the fact. And the argument against the RNC would also be valid, except for the fact that the RNC allowed Trump to win. 
they could have easily not let that happen. In fact, if I was the RNC and I wanted to pick somebody that I thought might have actually been presidential, I would have probably picked Jeb or um, uh, the other guy who was actually not a complete buffoon that was on the stage. But regardless of the fact that didn't happen, Trump ended up getting the nomination and Hillary got shoved into the position and it was blatantly obvious that she did, right? So the problem that we're facing, right, with MSM not covering this is the same thing of the propaganda spin machine that we've seen with Fox News and all the other uh, political consultants and and, uh, not consultants, they're what, commentators? Commentators, right. I think that's the one. Like Rachel Maddow and all them. They are literally paid to drive viewers to their shows and pander to their base. So the fact that it's not being announced, it's the same reason why the DNC race itself wasn't announced and wasn't really covered by MSM. Yeah. It was a huge deal. And, and I'm not saying because I was a part of it. I'm saying it was a huge deal because it's a huge freaking deal. That's for the and soul the of the party, that, really, yeah. Right, and it wasn't covered until CNN, and then all of a sudden people found out who the hell I was. Imagine if they had known who I was two months ago or two months earlier prior to then, right? So to say that um, we are in a very dark and dangerous time politically in our country is a complete and utter understatement because now they're literally going to be allowed to squander and uh, alter our votes. Like – at the not just the federal, not just for president, but for all primary elections, which makes the primary election a farce. And the fact that most uh, states in our country um, makes it either impossible or next to impossible to run as an independent, that means you're forced to run in the duopoly system, and you're at the mercy of whatever corrupt members of the party, both parties, are in charge of counting the ballots. And the, all the legal protections that are there to protect the ballot apparently, or could be rather, determined to not be covered in the primaries, which is just as terrifying. Which means people like me, right, who will run as a Democrat or a Republican um, for Congress in 2018, I could lose outright, not because of my message, not because of my race, not because of uh, any sort of demographic background or effort on my behalf, but because the Democratic Party said no. We are not going to let that happen. Like, that's disgusting. Yeah, it is. And now, just to clarify for the listeners, because I'm sure one or two is going to have the question. When you say run as a Republican, you basically just mean to use their ballot access and infiltrate as a progressive on the Republican <coughs> ticket, right? Because you're oh, running right, in such right. a deep red district. Right. And let me be very clear. Even if I run as a Democrat, that does no way, form or fashion mean that I have all of a sudden sacrificed all my convictions, beliefs or spine. Yeah. Um, I just got on the phone two days ago and told Steve Shabbat, well, not to his face, unfortunately, but that <laughs> if he voted for the, uh, the American Health Care Act, that it would be an act of domestic terrorism because you would be. So the legal the definition of terrorism is to instill fear or damage against a population for political gain. Mm-hmm. What greater fear is there than to say that you will lose every single bit of coverage you have just gained? And even though 80 percent of the country still doesn't have coverage, you're going to lose it on top of that 80 that already exists. So 90 percent or more of the country is going to be without coverage. Like if that isn't domestic terrorism, then I really don't know what is. Yeah. And we'll, we'll- so. We'll get to the healthcare stuff later, but yeah, that's 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 its whole that's a whole nother. I mean, 
<laughs> I saw, by the way, that you tweeted that out and you got your first round of uh, actual Trump trolls. That was that was pretty entertaining. Oh, no, I sought them out. I went on uh, pro-Republican and pro-conservative uh, channels. Yeah. And I tweeted that stuff. And every time they, uh, they, they tried to troll me because... I mean, it's it was like debating a four-year-old. It was nothing yeah, yeah, but yeah. circular arguments. And then when they lost, they started attacking my grammar and spelling. And then when I called them out on that, they started back with their circular arguments. What I was trying to do was develop controversy because here's the other unfortunate truth. Con- there's no such thing as bad press, right? But with the DNC and this lawsuit, there would be bad press if this did make it into mainstream media. And again, Fox News isn't covering it either. And you would think, again, they would be gleefully covering this and showing the um, tumultuous uh, problems within the DNC itself, right, to bolster their base. But there and again comes the collusion and the conspiracy theory. I believe this is government-controlled in that you got whatever administration is up here at the top telling MSM, like, we're supposed to keep things wild and uh, unruly like we do in the Middle East, but we still need to keep just enough stability where people think they have a voice and that their vote matters. So the thing is, our vote does matter. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't. But what I am saying is, if we want to overcome it, these problems, what we're seeing is we have to come together as a nation, as a individuals outside of the party system and attack it from all fronts to where if we do get usurped or do get undermined by the parties, that it is so blatantly obvious that it cannot possibly be ignored. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's my takeaway from it. I mean, I'm disgusted. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I'm not surprised. I saw it firsthand. I mean, come on, I ran for the DNC chair and they gave me a pat on the head and said, oh, that was adorable. Yeah. <laughs> well, my takeaway from that is that it's pretty funny and ironic that actual Nazis are also grammar Nazis. <laughs> but um, beyond that, uh, <laughs> oh, no. The other, so the other thing about the RNC, you know, what's funny is that this corrupt and effed up as the Republicans are the. RNC doesn't have superdelegates. I mean, they st- the right. Democrats still have an extra hurdle to totally throw in the way of anybody that is not suited to their corporate agenda. So, I mean, they're even more corrupt in some ways than the Republicans, at least in terms of their primary process, which is insane because, you know, when you think of corruption, you typically would say, oh, yeah, the Republicans, of course, they're bought and sold by corporations, but... I mean, the Democrats in the primary process are even more corrupt and not non-transparent than the Republicans are. And they definitely will govern as an excuse. Yeah. And it's disgusting. Like, I mean, it's literally sad that the party that is belligerently trying to undermine the American people with, you know, the health care and all the other stuff is actually the good guys in comparison. Like, that doesn't even make sense yeah. to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane. So, you know, hopefully, I mean, it's going to take a little while to get a ruling on that. If the judge does not dismiss it, I think we might see some coverage. It would be impossible to ignore if Debbie Wasserman Schultz has to actually testify uh, in front of a judge as to whether or not she, you know, colluded to tip the scales in the primary. I I think that's... No, I know know she... I'm just saying, I I think that would be impossible for them to ignore uh, in terms of coverage. But here's the thing. I don't think so. 
because they completely ignored Bernie Sanders and he was filling yeah. stadiums and filling yes. ballparks outside. The DNC race wasn't covered until the final two forums and then the one CNN debate. Um, and then they were in, in cahoots to keep me silent and yeah. um, Sally and Pete. You yeah. know, they kept three of us quiet the entire time. And <clears throat> so, no, I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility, especially now. Um, with all the precedents already being set of blatantly ignoring big stories, uh, Debbie Varsman Schultz uh, testifying and saying I, whatever I did was okay, I, I still don't think that'll crack the surface. And if you got the Young Turks and Jordan Sheridan and H.A. Gubman and Redacted Tonight fighting against each other, then we don't even have the independent news media oh, on our yeah, side. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, like, I, I personally won't take a side in that. I think people are just kind of being a little ridiculous, sniping at each other. We're all trying to get the... We all think that the DNC is corrupt and needs to be reformed. Let's not kill each other over, you know, other contributors to a network maybe having a, a shitty take on, on the whole story. Oh, I didn't even hear about that. They're fighting now? Like, so there's well, even okay, more... So, far left? Fuck's so, sake. So, well, okay, so what... <laughs> <laughs> so when the DNC story broke um, on, you know, last week or whatever... Uh, TYT was on, or I think it was on Mondays, and TYT was on, and Jank is away, and they had kind of a replacement panel of uh, John Iderola, Michael Shore, and I don't even remember, one other person. It was a pretty, and, and this is no offense to them, but it was a very centrist, it was the most centrist members of TYT on the panel. Oh, uh, like that guy, Michael Tracy, who was uh, promoting religious liberty bullshit? I was, oh, my Michael, God. Michael Tracy's actually fairly progressive on most things. I don't know, it, they have a yeah, weird... Yeah. But they you should have seen the episode about uh, religious liberty. Really? He was like, guys, you know, progressives need to stop dismissing religious concerns. I was like, oh. Oof, I don't know. They, they have a weird mix there. But no, in any event, so what they did was they covered it and they said that um, they basically kind of dismissed the lawsuit and said it. And it, they, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but they didn't seem super uh, concerned with the lawsuit. And, you know, I. I tend to think if you had Jimmy Dore on that panel or if either, if Jank was on there or if Jordan or any of those people, it, it would have been covered a lot differently. And it was. I mean, uh, Jimmy had aggressive progressives on uh, Thursday night, yes, last night, and he talked all about it and he, you know, fucking rammed the DNC for it. So, I, you know, I'm not... Uh, the, no, no news organization's a monolith, and and it doesn't need to be this whole big thing where like, oh, TYT sold out and blah blah blah. <laughs> and now Tim Black and H A Goodman are saying that like, jo like Jordan accidentally called Tim out, even though Tim wasn't calling him. I don't know. It's this whole thing. But like, guys, come on. We all, we all we all want the DNC to reform itself. That we we all know who the real enemy is in this fight. Let's not kill each other when we all want the same thing. Well, and that's the, I mean, that goes right back to everything else, right? I think at the end of the day, and I mean, please disagree with me or challenge me on this topic, but what we are doing is focusing on the wrong issues. We are focusing on the, the symptoms, right? The corruption in the DNC, the corruption in government, the, the lunacy of Trump, uh, Pence, Ryan, and McConnell, right? We know what's screwed up. We know what is broken, and we know exactly how to fix it, yeah. except we're not doing it. And I think the problem is people are still 
reeling from the, the primary election and the general election, and they just haven't had a chance to direct and, and focus themselves, and to the detriment of our own efforts, of our voice, right? Because here we are, we have the structure, we have the path to direction, we have a proverbial, you know, face of the organization. We got everything that any of these organizations would want or need, right? We have a podcast. We have the ability to stream on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, apparently Instagram, Twitch, right? We're, we're on every single social media network. Um, and yet people are still like, well, what about this one? Or what about this one? Or what about that one? And now we see the Young Turks arguing with this person and this person. And then we see more infighting. We see more infighting. And then even in the Democratic Party, there's infighting within that. All we are seeing on the left is infighting. And what we're seeing on the right is consolidation. They are all in with each other. And for better or for worse, they are succeeding. They are winning this particular battle. Um, and it's going to be despotism at this point. So I don't know what it will take for the left to pull together, but we need to stop focusing on these symptoms, the, you know, not to dismiss them, of course, to acknowledge them that they exist, but to use it as a fuel for to, our own yeah, passion. To fight the root cause. To fight the root cause, which is the fact that we ourselves as people do not have a base. We do not have a support structure and we do not have something that we can build and work and grow ourselves. And so that's what our voice is there for. It is supposed to fill that gap and that need. But when people don't know it exists, of course, that need continues to go unfulfilled. So my main thing is no matter what happens with the reformation of the DNC, I'm actually concerned that the Democratic Party will fall. And I said this uh, when I was running for the DNC. My main concern with running for chairman was to prevent its collapse. Because in a duopoly, if only one side falls, what do you have? So, and now we're finding out that um, political parties can rig the primaries in their favor. So you're basically ushering in an era of the the party, right? Big brother, like the legitimate dictator, communist, freaking um, Stalinist Russia, Nazi Germany bullshit at this point. And that is the most terrifying thing, in my opinion, that could possibly result from this and what is resulting from this. I mean, let's let's be real. The Republican Party continues to push its nonsense and the Democrats continue to to lose support because they refuse to go left. They they're staying center and not going an a center more left. Well, and, you know, to that point, um, to what you were saying, Trump is a symptom, too. He's, he's right. not the cause. The cause is corruption and money in politics. And I mean, and that you can trace any any of these things we're complaining about can be traced back to the corrupting influence of money on our politicians and the fact well, that we have no voice. Well, that we don't have a voice. And it's not that money is corrupting because what is money, right? Like I have, well, I mean, I don't have that much money anymore, but <laughs> I, like I had $8,000 in the bank account, you know, and that, that's a lot for a lot of people, but it's also not that much for a lot of people. But 8000 is $8,000, right? Sure, yeah. Add two zeros to it. Now, <laughs> well, what I'm saying is add two zeros to that and I have $800,000. You know what that does? That gives me a little bit more financial security and it gives me an opportunity. Right. Money is not an influencing factor. Weakness and corruption and greed is the influencing factor. If you gave me a billion dollars, 
our voice would be flipped over in a heartbeat. We would be a national organization that would demand the presence of MSM through virtue of being able to buy a spot if that's what it took. Sure. Here's a million dollars, NBC. You will host me. I don't give a damn. And then the whole country will hear it and it takes care of itself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Money is a tool. And when you use it as a tool, it can't ever be corrupting. I mean, are you corrupted by a glass bottle? Well, okay, I mean, the beer maybe. But that's a, a, well, a, man, So, a I mean, a lot of people have this uh, criticism of the phrase, but uh, maybe a better phrase is dark money in politics. So right. can, 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 contributions in lieu of favors or in lieu of special treatment right. or in lieu of that's the that's the problem. But that is actually solved by getting, quote unquote, money out of politics, which right. doesn't and mean I'm that not, no money can flow through. It just means, you know, and I'm not disagreeing that money or corporations being able to lobby uh, is a good thing. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not saying that. What I am saying is we have weak leadership. But, we have yeah. spineless leadership. We have cowards in office. And that offends me personally because I am not a coward. I don't think you are a coward. And I certainly know for a damn fact that Adrian ain't no coward. That girl is 10 feet tall, made out of steel. All right. She is not to be trifled with. But the people in office, they're weak they're pitiful. They're easily influenced. They're easily swayed by pittances, like $20,000, $300,000 for their campaign fund to sell out 318 million Americans. It's disgusting, and it's reprehensible. Can I just say one thing? www.wolfpack.com. <laughs> That's yeah. what I want to say is Wolfpack. Join no, Wolfpack's Pack. great. Wolfpack's excellent. Um yeah. Because that's no that I mean again that that's the only way we're going to get it done because we're never going to be able to get a majority in Congress the way the Democrats just totally trip over their own feet when they well, try to do anything. Well, and apparently they're colluding to pick whoever they want in Congress, which I that guess too. precludes me from being there. <laughs> hey, doesn't matter if they want you or not. As long as we get the message out, we'll, we'll we can get you in there. Well, I was going to say, I mean, and, and to the point before you said what. When I said run as a Republican, that means run as a Republican just to get on the ballot. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I'm actually considering it. Even though I ran for the DNC chair, even though I think Trump is a reprehensible bastard, even though I think Paul Ryan deserves a, a nice right hook to the chin, and Ted Cruz deserves a lot worse than that, um, <laughs> it's about getting elected. Well, Ted Cruz doesn't and, have a chin either, so that would be pretty tough to do. That's man. why I said a lot worse. <laughs> um, but— we won't get into that. Um, suffice to say, um, running as a Republican offers a few benefits because here's the thing: it's about running against the incumbent on their own on their own platform, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and we've already established that Republicans are at least a little bit more fair in their processes. But what is a Republican gonna take more risk from? A fellow Republican, right? Quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or a Democrat in a gerrymandered district. See, what had happened was last year, the the Democrat kept trying to call out Steve Chabot to a de the debate floor, and he didn't have to because he knew that he did not have to show up. He did not have to campaign. He didn't have to make any speeches. He didn't even have to fundraise. All he had to do was be on the ballot, and because he was the only incumbent, he was on the ballot, and he won because of those reasons. So if I were to run as a Republican, though— I could call him out on the debate stage, and I could call him out for it on his own merit, like on his own like uh, playing field as a Republican, right? Yeah, I that's feel interesting. Like, I feel like there's a greater opportunity to bring them to the block 
the chopping block, as it were, by running as their own party. And now this goes for Democrats, too. Is a Democrat in a safe seat going to give a damn what the Republican says? Absolutely not. But a Democrat has to listen to what another Democrat says at the end of the day, right? And we saw that even if you're not the, the favorite, the contender, you can still drive an, a, a narrative. I drove the narrative of the DNC race, make absolutely no mistake. They were talking about a 50-state strategy in the first two forums, and by CNN, Jim Moo Green, Tom Perez, and Keith Ellison were all freaking parroting my you know, my speech, which was, we need to do local grassroots campaigning, fundraising, and ensuring that we got local candidates up and down the ballot supported. So, absolutely, it's possible. I'm glad Todd Perez uh, stuck to that message, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it really does he, not. He, he learned a lot from you, I think. <laughs> See? Leading by example. I'm already the best DNC chair we ever had, right? Um, but I'm, I'm not trying to take up all the, the time of our podcast on this topic. It's just, to me, it's, no, but it's, it's the one that hits yeah. home the most because it's the one that matters the most. It's the one that affects people the most. It's the one that disenfranchises people the most. And that's why you have the least amount of political party affiliation and, and at any point in time in history. That's why if I run as a Republican, fine, I might lose the Democratic base and I might lose the Republican base. But who cares? Because the independent base, the people who don't normally turn out to vote, the ones who are waiting for somebody to vote for to show up. Which is a larger voting block than the Democrats or the Republicans right now in this country. Combined. In many cases. Yeah, no, it's true. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't matter what party you run for. Be very, very clear on that point. It does not matter which party you run for. What matters is your convictions and your platform. And that's, I and, guess. And, you know, the other interesting thing about what you're saying is that, I mean, without getting into too much of the behind the scenes that we've talked about, we don't know necessarily that the Ohio Democratic Party would be super supportive of you as their nominee. They might try to stifle you in that process. If you run uh, against Steve Chabot, you don't even have to necessarily, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the primary, if it's an open primary or not in, in Ohio, but um, it's not. It's not. <laughs> you, so you have to be a registered Republican. Can you, you register day of, though? I think so. I think you can register day of, but oh, you have to be registered. So, I mean, you can just, I mean, just hitting on Steve Chabot, who's a, a, an insanely corrupt individual for his corruption alone. I mean, he voted yes on this, the AHCA. Uh, uh, take a wild guess, either of you, who his top donor was to his uh, 2016 campaign committee. I'm going to guess it's something with the pharmaceutical industry or uh, the uh, insurance. Yep, the insurance company gave him uh, $60,000, which was the most he's gotten from anybody. And his seventh highest uh, donor was the uh, health professionals uh, with $31,000. So he takes a shit ton of money from the healthcare industry and uh, just, you know, does their bidding. It, so he's... But see, and, that, and I'm sorry. No, yeah, really. I, I just wanted to say that goes back into the point of what I was saying. He is a weak, corrupt individual. He's being bought and sold by the insurance company. You know what? I know for a fact I wouldn't get insurance company money, or at least they'd give me one check, and then I'd say, thank you for your $300,000. Now I'm going to turn right around and shove it down your throat. Like, it, it is that easy. Like, I don't it, – it's like – it's not like you're handed this check, right? Well, I mean, I I don't know if we're – I think we're just doing audio, so I, I'm, I'm – yeah, nobody, no, nobody can see you, but – Nobody okay. can see me. So it's not like somebody hands you this big, stinky check, 
and turns into freaking Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime and then says, I will crush you if you do not listen to me. No, it doesn't do that. What it does, it's a piece of paper that is now sitting in your hand and you're like, ooh, money. Let me cash that. Oh, it came from the insurance company. Sucks for them because I'm still going to promote universal health care. Done. You have just you have just overcome the influence of money. It's not that hard. Yeah. And so one more quick thing on Chabot, and then I want to move on to the health care uh, bill. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, no, yeah, no problem. So uh, just, just, just another uh, layer of his corruption to, to kind of illustrate for you. Uh, this is from his Wikipedia page, but it's I, I sourced it to a local paper. Uh, on October 26, 2016, CityBeat reported uh, on Steve Chabot's world travels using taxpayer money uh, that since 2011, Chabot has flown to 46 countries on 16 separate excursions, gracing the lights, likes of Mongolia, Myanmar, and Moldova with his presence. Uh, the tab to taxpayers, almost $200,000. So, I mean, I, I don't know too much about Ohio state politics, but I don't think that he was uh, on official state business in uh, Myanmar or Moldova. I mean, or, or Mongolia, did you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mongolia. Did you say Mongolia? He's just taking fucking <laughs> trips and making the taxpayers pay for it. 200,000 bucks. But let's not even say that it was official business. Why the hell did it cost $200,000? What was he doing? Flying first class, sipping Chardonnay? Oh, I'm sure. But like, no, but that's ridiculous. But I can't even imagine what state he clearly was just taking trips to exotic locations. I mean, look, the, the the one positive is that he at least has some intellectual curiosity and wants to travel the world, unlike Trump, who uh, probably unless, unless he was actually sent there for any sort of reason. But even then, it should have never been on taxpayer dollars. No, I know. I know. I'm, 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 I'm mostly joking because uh, Trump wouldn't go to, you know, any country that he couldn't put 10 gaudy hotels and a shitty golf course in. But. Right. Um, yeah, yeah no. well, you the population for that shit. So, I mean, Steve Chabot is imminently beatable. So that's that's just some of his corruption. But we'll we'll talk about him, I'm sure, in the, in the months to come. Uh, so I want to move on to the health the uh, health care bill now. Uh, a little excerpt from the New York Times: House passes measure to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. The House on Thursday narrowly approved legislation uh, to repeal and replace major parts of, of the Affordable Care Act. As Republicans recovered from their earlier failures and moved a step closer to delivering on their promise to reshape American health care without mandated health insurance coverage. Uh, the vote, 217 to 213, so if we had flipped two more Republicans, we could have sunk this thing, uh, held on... <clears throat> Uh, held on President Trump's 105th day in office is a significant step on what could have been uh, what could be a long legislative road. Twenty Republicans bolted from their leadership to vote no, but the win keeps alive the party's dream of unwinding President Obama's signature domestic achievement. The House measures face profound uncertainty in the Senate, where a handful of Republican senators immediately rejected it, signaling that they would start work on a new version of the bill virtually from scratch. Uh, to the extent that the House solves problems, we might borrow ideas, said Senator Lamar Alexander of Tennessee, chairman of the Senate Health Committee. We can go to conference with the House or they can pass our bill. Uh, even before the vote, some Republican senators had expressed deep reservations about one of the more important provisions of the House bill, which would roll back the expansion of Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act. So <clears throat> I want to get into another uh, element of this story in a minute, but I just want to kind of lay out some of the th And now 
this bill, they literally didn't release it to the public, put it out without any time for any. I think they gave uh, Congress people a day to look at it before they voted on it. So nobody knew what the hell was in it when they voted on it. But from what people like reporters who have gotten a chance to take a look at it have found combing through it, um, it's a nearly trillion dollar tax cut for the top 2% of Americans and that same amount of money gets taken out of uh, Medicaid expansion. So they're taking almost a trillion dollars away from the poorest people in this country to give to the richest mother effers on, in the country, literally, the top 2% of the, of the population. Uh, on top of that, it to- they say... The, 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 the big talking point that Paul Ryan keeps trotting out, which is total bullshit, is that, oh, well, there's an amendment in the bill that... Uh, allows for pre-existing conditions. That's that's why it was passed cuz there's uh, but that's but that amendment is the same as the Obamacare uh the Medicaid expansion uh in 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 the fact that it allows states to decide whether or not they are going to maintain pre-existing condition coverage. So in deep red states where they don't give a shit about that and they're they're paid off by, you know, the insurance company in that state they're going to get rid of pre-existing conditions outright. So this bill does not protect against people, uh, against denying coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. And this bill is just an absolute disaster. It's 10 times worse than the first bill that they couldn't get through. But now they secured some far, far right support for it. So they managed to get through the House, even though the Senate seems poised to kill it. But, uh, you know, uh, what do you guys think about this bill just in general? I mean... Uh, Adrian, what I mean, what uh, <laughs> put into just just get, give me a little bit about the bill and and, and how you're feeling coming out of this uh, vote. I mean, that was exactly what Senator Sanders said. He, I just saw him do an interview for um, what is it, Jakey Tapper, I think. Um, <laughs> Real name, that was poor name. Yeah, as Jimmy exactly. always says. <laughs> I always think that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but basically, first of all, I want to talk about that pre, pre, um, pre-existing condition bullshit, by the way. Yeah. Because I was seeing the list that people are circulating online. I don't know how accurate it is, but it's like all this stuff like C-section, pregnancy, injury sustained in rape. I mean— I actually, I, I actually have—I'll I'll read some of the stuff off the list pretty quick. Time is reporting on a lot of major outlets are reporting that it's factual. Right. Uh, I, I, let me just read down the list. Uh AIDS, alcohol or drug abuse with recent treatment, Alzheimer's, anorexia, arthritis, bulimia, cancer, cerebral palsy, congestive heart failure, coronary artery heart disease, Crohn's disease, diabetes, epilepsy, hemophilia, hepatitis, kidney disease, lupus, mental disorders, multiple sclerosis, muscular dystrophy, obesity, organ transplant, paraplegia, paralysis, Parkinson's disease, pending surgery, hospitalization, Pneumocystic pneumonia, pregnancy, or expecting parents, sleep apnea, stroke, transsexualism. So, any of those things are a pre-existing condition according to this fucking... Holy, hold on. Wait. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I was going to try really hard not to cuss in this one and use yeah, no, I... that type of language. But what you just said transsexual... <laughs> the, are you shitting me? <laughs> Because they don't want to cover the surgery. That's like, what that I mean, is. don't get me wrong. I was, I already knew about the pregnancy and the C-section and the rape, for God's sake. Oh, yeah, I, mean, that's, that's, I knew that. This that's is actually a Republican not... list. There, there's other things that are left off this intentionally. Holy shit. 
So, you know, fuck being a woman, I guess, and fuck getting raped or whatever, because, you know what, screw you. That was clearly a pre-existing condition. You were pre-raped, and then you got raped, and now you're going to be even le- No. Yeah, well, yeah. That makes me even more, you know what, you should not have told me that. Because <laughs> now I'm really angry, because I, I, I'm about to just go back on to live stream Call up whatever one of these assholes is still awake in Washington and be like, listen here, you dumb son of a bitch. Wait, this is even better. So, uh, but Cynthia Cox, Kaiser's associate director, notes that the above list is a conservative sampling of all the issues and maladies that uh, insurers could count. Maladies? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Rape is not a fucking malady. It's a goddamn crime. I know. Uh, But no, wait, it gets even worse. So, uh... There are plenty of other conditions, even acne or high blood pressure, that have, could have gotten people denied from some insurers, uh, but accepted and charged a higher premium by other insurers. Acne? Every yeah. fucking human being yeah. on the planet. Yeah. Uh, so, so literally, if you're a human being, you are uh, probably going to be eligible to be denied coverage for a pre-existing condition because there's, I, I can't, I can't imagine anyone on the planet doesn't have at least one of the things on this insane draconian list. Okay, so they, you know what? It doesn't matter what I run as. I could run as a freaking, you know, pirate party, pink pony party. At this point, it doesn't matter. All I have to do is read that list <laughs> everywhere I go. It's it's so fucking offensive. It really, it is. really is. It's not even offensive. It's galling. Like, who the hell do they think these people are? Like, seriously. Like, who the fuck do you think you are, Ted Cruz, Paul Ryan, Mitchell? Like, who... Do you think you are? Seriously. Like the God complex on these people. Seriously. Oh. This is why Trump loves the poorly educated. <laughs> yeah. It really is. No yeah. joke. I'm like not even joking no, about sure, that. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. And I think the company uses the exchange. That was one of the big reasons why I got married is I needed the health care because my company uses the affordable health care. And I could not afford it even with the salary that I make here in New York City. And like well, health care is insane. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, Way more money than the average. That's not health care. That is literally that is literally saying any sort of not healthy thing that could possibly exist in a human yeah. being is gonna be chargeable. Meaning they have finally officially privatized being or, or existing. They have they have privatized humanity at this point. Yeah, but Sam, you're saying person, but at the same time, I don't see like erectile dysfunction on this list. I don't see um what is that? Prostate cancer on this list. I you notice how men's problems are, are oddly missing from the list. People made note you know, of that actually. It's really interesting. It's, so it is missing from the list, period. So that's yep. even more like Don't break oh your comb. My God. You're about to break sure. your comb. Look, look I'm the- gonna yeah, I'm like this is even more insulting too. Like Limp dick is covered. You know, you, these yep. 80 fucking year olds who are trying to fuck these 18 year olds, they get to have their damn Viagra. But, you know, God forbid a woman needs to be covered after being traumatized in a brutal rape. Yeah. Fuck yeah. all that. No, and no, no, by no, no, the way, no. they'll be fine with that 18 year old getting an abortion. They'll have a private doctor do that for her. But they'll say that, you know, abortion needs to be illegal for everybody else. Yeah, I was about to say, assuming they haven't totally outlawed it by, you know. I don't even need to it, but they'll go and get it done on the side. See, and, and you're and this is why I'm saying, like, never mind the DNC doing whatever bullshit they're doing. Like, this is even worse because it's happening now. Like, but but I mean, to that point, this is this is because of such 
gross incompetence and corruption by the Democrats that it's gotten to this yeah. level, that we've let it get to the point where if they win two more governorships, I believe, they can call a goddamn constitutional convention and actually amend our constitution, and we have no way of stopping them. I mean, that's yeah, no, unprecedented, is, literally. No, honestly, like, all joking aside, we have to find a way to get on, like, a news network. I don't care if it's local, state, or federal, because this is not acceptable. No. No, 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 no. You're going to cover limp dick and freaking no. No, no, no. That's insulting. Actually. No, I know. And, and and it's totally going to do away with the subsidies from Obamacare. I, I, I don't mind saying, look, I don't make a ton of money, but I am on the exchange and I pay after subsidies, uh, I think like 48 a month for my health insurance, which is good. Um, I if I didn't have the subsidies, I would have to pay three hundred and forty eight. I get three hundred subsidies based on, you know, the bracket that I fall into. So if that goes away, which it looks like it's going to if this bill gets through the Senate in some form, I have to pay three hundred and forty eight dollars for basic level care. I can't I'm not going to I just want to have health insurance. And so many people in this in, in this country are, are in that same boat. Uh, can you imagine paying three hundred and forty eight dollars a month for shitty, basic like bronze level healthcare. Yeah, but that's deductible. Yeah, with with like a $2,000 deductible, that's insane. Yeah, the the high deductible and then if you actually reach the deductible, then there's a percentage of the the thing you pay for regardless of if you pay deductible anyway. Yeah, assuming you find an in-network doctor and that you the procedures they pay through it's the the whole point is that it, the whole concept of third-party insurance is is inhumane. We're we're Letting corporations artificially put a middleman between us and actual healthcare. No other major industrialized country in the world does this shit. We're literally no. the only ones. We are the only ones, and that's why it's so expensive. I mean, I'm going to send you those Google links because um, I went into two different ways to explain how insane uh, the healthcare system is in our country. I, I Never saw mind. one of your charts that you put. Yeah, that was like yeah. really. The one breaks it down through what we pay in taxes, what we pay in health insurance, and then the additional costs that physicians charge, farm, and blah, 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 right? And then there's another one that talks about what hospitals themselves charge, which guess what, folks, are multipliers. Multipliers. Meaning, if you break a leg and it actually costs the hospital $500 to fix, they're going to charge you 2.7. You go to a different hospital, they'll charge you 3.5. They'll charge, if you go to a third hospital, they might charge you four. And you know, it's... it's and it's it, it's an artificial it's an, it's a vicious cycle and it's all artificial inflation brought on by this system and, and like I, I work in healthcare so I see this all the time uh, health like um, when you go and you look at an actual doctor bill like if you look at like if you go to the hospital like an ER for something they charge like six thousand dollars for an ambulance they have to charge these insane inflated prices because the insurance companies pay them. Typically on on AWP a basis, which is you know a made up number, and they pay them maybe a fraction of what they claim. So what they have to do is put an artificially high number on it. But what that does is raise the price of everyone else's insurance. If you don't have insurance, everyone else's healthcare costs. If you don't have insurance, same with the drug industry. There's this uh, okay perfect example. There's uh, this drug doxycycline. I'm sure you've all heard of it. It's a thousand years old. You know, not literally, but it's. One of the oldest, most common antibiotics known to men treats Lyme disease, super effective, but cheap, you know, drug. Um, we used to get a bottle at the, at the pharmacy of, of a thousand of these for $22, you know, great, 
22 bucks for a thousand pills of doxycycline. What happened was, uh, and I don't remember the, the drug manufacturer, I'd call their bitch asses out by name, uh, bought up one of the ingredients that's used in the processing of doxycycline tablets and monopolized it. And doxycycline shot up from $22 to $2,200 per thousand count bottle. So what and so now recently it's gone it's come down to I think about five hundred dollars a bottle. So what that does is make people say, oh look, you know the price came down on it. It, it it's the same concept. I mean, are you guys familiar with the, fra- the the term Overton window, where essentially you pull? It's a political term meaning that you pull conversation so far in one direction that when it bounces back. You're pulling the you're artificially pulling the window. So when it bounces back to the center, the center is now to the right. So, yeah, that's exactly how our political spectrum went. Well, that's, we yeah. went that we went so far right and the, the Democrats tried to go a little center that by the time all was said and done, they ended up basically being right in the spectrum. And that's why going left is exactly what's needed and why there's so much need and desire for it. Let's be real too. What's considered alt-left or extremely left in the United States is conservative in Europe, which does have universal health care and education and is working on uh, universal basic income, for crying out loud. Those are conservative beliefs in Europe, and they are ultra-left wet dreams in the United States. So, but that's but that's my point. So, like the that that concept of the Overton window, people see how well it's worked for the right in this country, and they've applied it to all these other things. So, people maybe who don't pay attention super closely will say, "Oh wow, this drug fell from two thousand dollars to five hundred dollars." No, they did that by design so that they can artificially say, "Look, we cut this drug by four hundred percent, the cost on it. Aren't we a great charitable organization?" Uh, no, because you, that drug used to cost $22, now it costs $500. So that's the kind of shit they do. And, 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 it, and it's a cycle between them, the uh, healthcare industry, the drug companies, and the insurance in, in, in industry. So until we get the insurance... I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Adrian? I was just saying, like, how many people do you think can't afford it anymore because of that? And Lyme's disease is something that you need yeah, to treat. Yeah, you'll die. You'll actually, yeah, you'll die, and won't it really affect your mentality, your brain? Oh yeah, it can it can cause permanent brain di- like damage, I believe, if if untreated. So I mean, th- all that's to say, the th- the third parties in this country are are literally, you know, inhumane in in the way that they they corporatize our healthcare. Um, they are, and 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 the thing is. They were legislated into power, which means they can be legislated out of power. Right. They can be legislated out of existence with universal health care. That's the exact – like insurance is really a scheme. Now, granted, it makes sense to have home insurance. It makes sense to have car insurance because those are huge expenses. And arguably, yes, so is health care like, in terms of like what it would cost to treat yourself. But here's the thing. We've already established a few truths. Hospitals – don't charge what it actually costs. They charge you multipliers. In addition to that, they charge you additional fees from physicians and uses of facilities. In addition to that, you have to pay for your pharmaceuticals. And then in addition to that, you pay your Medicare and Medicaid taxes. So that's at least four. Now we add insurance companies to the mix. So if you had universal health care, those four costs that we have to pay anyway would be slashed completely eliminated and only covered for the cost of, you know, wages for the people and the facility operational maintenance and then the use of those uh, 
those machines and those tools like it is in the military. And then you completely offset the need for insurance companies and you can give them a six month period. You have six months to go from health insurance to literally any other insurance that you want, but you're done with this nonsense. And you would save, you would boost the economy overnight because now you're not spending $500 a month in insurance costs. You can spend $500 on McDonald's if you freaking want to. Well, as a consumer, I mean, unless you literally own like a major corporation, there's no reason you shouldn't want this. Because as to to your point, it does give you mobility. You won't lose your health care if you move jobs. Your health care is just your health care. And you don't have to worry about finding a job that provides health care because you can just, you know, search for jobs. You just have health care. That's just, you know, the way and the the way it is and in a humane society, the way it should be. Um, Well, scared of to be honest with you like because i'm pregnant right now what if i need to get a c-section number two if i need to get a c-section and then my husband changed jobs and i don't have this health care anymore and i have to switch to another health care can they deny me coverage for having a c-section probably apparently yes if, if this bill passes yes. yeah fucked up that is like incredibly fucked up i think like one third 30 percent of all pregnant women have end up having c-sections so yeah yeah which hopefully it, i don't need one but and this is shit you see in like you know third world countries. Like this, it's yeah. disgusting that the richest country in the world doesn't provide that kind of healthcare for their citizens. It's literally inhumane. Um, but I just on this still on the subject. Um, I just wanted to get to the Democrats' response to this bill. Uh, oh God! Because it it. it <laughs> no, I already know what you're gonna say. There's they're joyful. They're your gleeful well, yeah, that I, this I gotta, bill I, got passed. But I won't steal your thunder. I have a little bit of an excerpt cut out from the Washington Post. So, uh, yeah, you you would think they'd be really upset and and worried and, and, you know, trying to rally people to say, look, uh, this this is horrible. We can't let this pass through the Senate. Um, I just want to read you a bit of their response. so the American Health Care Act just passed by the House uh, by the smallest possible margin, barely getting the 217 votes needed to pass. Uh, and as the bill passed, House Democrats began singing and waving goodbye to their Republican counterparts. Na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye, they sang as voting finished. Uh, it was a pretty remarkable act of trolling on the House floor. Uh, fucking Washington Post. <laughs> it was a pretty remarkable act of trolling on the House floor. Uh, but one that illustrates just how divisive healthcare is as a political issue. Democrats are absolutely positively sure that Thursday's vote will doom their more vulnerable Republican colleagues and maybe then some. They accuse Republicans of rushing to pass the bill <clears throat> before it was scored by the CBO and say that the bill, if signed into law, would cause millions of Americans to lose their health insurance. Republicans counter that state exchanges are in big trouble and that the ACA is in a death spiral. Uh, but the bill they just voted for would disproportionately put red states and pro-Trump areas on the hook financially to find a way to ensure the most vulnerable Americans, especially those with pre-existing conditions. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't think there's anything more indicative of how out of touch the Democrats are that uh, when this draconian bill that will literally doom thousands of people to death passes through one of the houses of Congress, they're literally singing because of the political victory they think that they attained. Yeah, and and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to overtalk you, Adrian, at all. I should really not be on the this podcast because this just is incensing me in ways. <laughs> Go ahead and say what you want to say because I, I need a moment. 
Oh, I did. That was all I wanted to say was it's just disgusting. I mean, they're really, it, it, you know why? Because it doesn't affect any of these fucking people personally. No, it's really because weird. they voted to make themselves immune. Yep. Again. Yep. But you know what? This, our fucking healthcare is a game to these sociopaths. Like that. Yeah. This is a, to bo- on both sides. Democrats too. They're they're gleeful that this passed because they think it's a political tool. Our healthcare is literally a game to these fucking millionaire sociopaths. Like. Yeah, and and that key word they think it's going to benefit them, which Hillary is so Clinton stupid. Thought, Hillary Clinton thought Trump was going to elevate her into the presidency. She was wrong. Um. So just because you have sociopaths in government, um, I'm dealing with the progressive movement that is incensed and disenfranchised and whatever. Now, granted, my complaint among the progressive movement is that we're not working together and we're only focusing on activism, but I think we'll slowly come around to that too. But the fact of the matter is, Democrats aren't going to win points through this. If I get one more damn DNC, DCC, C email from them saying, Oh, now we gotta fight back and blah blah blah, and they don't actually do anything worth um, fighting back for, i.e., presenting universal health care, presenting an alternative, and just saying, "Oh, look how stupid they were." They're doomed. They are actually doomed. Well, you and know, they don't get it. Well, you know, they right after this bill passed, while they were having their fucking karaoke jamboree, one of the reporters asked Nancy Pelosi, "So." Uh, you know that this horrible bill just passed. Are you guys gonna are you gonna pass single payer? Or are you gonna put single payer on the platform? And she, she didn't even hesitate. She goes, goes "No, I uh, think that's for the states to decide." That that's like a Republican talking point. Nancy Pelosi is literally spouting Republican talking points, and and and, and literally ignoring the biggest layup of all time in terms of a policy position because she is just so insanely corrupt and, and controlled and by her donors. she's not the leader of the Democratic Party. It's Tom Perez who's the she's leader the of the DNC. Leader. Yeah. Isn't she, is she well, the... no, she, she's in a leadership position. I mean, I don't think anyone would be would d- dare call her or Tom Perez a leader in any, tr- you know, traditional <laughs> sense of the fucking word. <laughs> well, but, okay, I'm not saying he's a traditional leader. I'm saying he's in charge no, of the yeah. Democratic Party. But well, she's yeah. a millionaire, so what does it matter to her? She's, she's, she's actually the sixth... Either she or her husband is the sixth richest person in California. She has over $100 million. So she's probably not super concerned about even not having any health care because I'm sure that's kind of a drop in the bucket. If she had to pay for a $100,000 procedure, that's a drop in the bucket for her. Yep. And I'm sure she doesn't have to. I'm sure she's no. got better health care than you and I. No, Congress people have health care for life. They actually have universal health care, <laughs> unlike These us. Fucking assholes. Ugh. So this really just proves the point that uh, for my congressional run, we do have to get on some sort of major spotlight because um, what is the one thing that is happening? It is not being attacked and it's not being lambasted, right? Bernie Sanders, fine. He talked about the need for universal health care, but did that really make waves? No, because the MSM ignored him. So, and Tulsi Gabbard, I don't know if she um, She's, got she signed on, on. Yeah, she signed on HR 676. Yeah, she just sent an email out actually today about it, about how people need to get behind universal health care. Well, you know, the funny thing is she was trolling Trump today on Twitter because he right. is such a buffoon that he can't help but stick his foot in his mouth 10 seconds after a political victory. Uh, he had the, he, he was meeting with the prime minister of Australia and he goes, hey, you know, uh, your health care is a lot better than ours. Yeah, you fucking idiot, because they have universal health care. You literally <laughs> just made the case for the progressives by saying that. I know. He's Bernie so called dumb. him out on that. Well, there's there's a it was funny. Bernie was on, I think, CNN 
and Chris Hayes showed him that clip. And before Chris could even ask him a question, he was like laughing hysterically. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> he, he just can't help but put his own put his foot in his mouth. Like he, he just clown. He's a fucking but they can't beat him. That's how inept they are. They can't beat this clown. No, the, here's the thing. They can't beat them. The Democratic Party as an entity, as an existing thing, as a structure yeah. can win. Because it has all the resources and tools at its disposal. It's the inept morons running the show who don't understand an, a single sliver of reality that are causing them to lose. It is not rocket science. What are we doing wrong? Don't do that and we win. What are the things we're doing wrong? We are not fighting for, I don't know, people. <laughs> we're not representing people. We're not listening to them. We're not integrating them. We're not... We're not passing the things they want or need, for that matter. Like, healthcare isn't even a want. It's a need. Education. Republicans are now calling it that it isn't a right, that it should be a privilege for the, the few. Okay, let's just go back to 11th century Europe, the Inquisition in the Dark Ages. Let's just go there. Call it a day. Because... Well, they're leading uh, with their values, you know? And that's really helping us out, isn't it? <laughs> Well, you know, you know, Adrian. When we put hope on the ballot, we win, and uh, when we put fear on the ballot, we lose. I, I, I heard a wise man once say that, so I think it's probably true. I can't, oh man, I can't even. Um, but no, you so, know, the problem with transparency. <laughs> by the way, did you guys see the video of Tom Perez? He was, I think, he was being interviewed by uh, MSNBC. And there was like a stage behind him, and he he literally he hit one of his talking points about leading with his values, and an American flag on the stage fell behind him. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. <laughs> it was the funniest goddamn thing. Like between that and the bird shitting on him, I think the universe really is just like, all right, th this dude. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Is that the the symbolism is just too. You're muted, by the way, Sam. <laughs> Well, good, because I was interrupting you anyway. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, the symbolism is real uh, in, in what's going on. Like, I, I mean, first of all, we're a mockery in the rest of the world, right? Angela, Angela Merkel, who is, she's right now the most powerful person on the planet. Yeah. Yep. Leader of the free world right now. Yeah, she's she leader of the free world. Like, our leader has no brain in his head. I'm sorry to say it, but he's got the vocabulary. I'm not sorry. Right. No, I am absolutely not sorry. Sorry, because we're all paying for it. Yeah. Well, we are. Yes, I am sorry that we're paying for it, but I'm not sorry that he's a dumbass. He's an idiot, and he has no business leading anything, let alone a country, let alone a business. And he's no, got he better even education. Run a all three of us put together. How is he such a moron? It's amazing. Because his fucking dad was rich, and he probably didn't do anything when he was in school. He's a you know. No, he was draft dodging and getting laid and and playing basketball or whatever. Yeah, it just you know. Just, just the most the most obvious case of born on third and thinks he's hit a triple of, of, of anybody I've ever seen in my entire life. But um, I do want to move on to I got one more story prepared. Uh, so we talked a lot last week about uh, Obama's four hundred thousand dollars speech to Wall Street and how <laughs> kind of gross and disgusting that was. Um, so in, in the weeks since uh, some prominent politicians have had time to weigh in on that. Um I just want to read you a couple quick responses. Um, Elizabeth Warren is from a piece in Business Insider. Uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren said she is, tr quote, troubled by news that former President Barack Obama is getting a lucrative paycheck for an upcoming street, uh, speech 
to a Wall Street firm. Obama is set to earn $400,000 for a speech in September to investment bank uh, Cantor Fitzgerald, according to a recent report. I was troubled by that, Warren said in appearance on Sirius XM's Alter Family Politics show, uh, launching into a critique on money and politics. I describe it as a snake that slithers through Washington uh, and that shows up so many different ways here, the Democrat said. Some Democrats have criticized Obama for taking the hefty paycheck, worried that he could be sending, could be, sending mixed messages from a party that has railed against Wall Street in the past. Uh, Obama himself blasted fat cat bankers on Wall Street while in office in 2009. Warren uh, avoided direct criticism of the former president on Thursday, but suggested that the high speaking fee is an example of big money expanding its reach. The influence of dollars on this place is what scares me, she says. Uh, ultimately, I think it threatens democracy. So, I mean, I think for a lot of people, that's the Elizabeth Warren we used to love. Uh, I, I don't know where she was in the primaries, but I'm glad that she's at least reforming to some semblance of her old self. Um, I have a couple more just quick uh, quotes about it. Uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders is disappointed with former President Barack Obama's $400,000 speech to a leading investment firm, uh, calling it unfortunate that the Democratic leader, he, he, not, not for nothing, and I, I love Bernie, and you know I, I, I like Warren, nobody will just say this is like blatantly corrupt. They all say troubling and unfortunate, and I understand they have to work within the party, but when is anybody in the party going to stand up and say, no, this is blatantly corrupt? For you to be taking money, yeah, yeah, I know you will, Sam. But <laughs> <laughs> for you to be literally taking money as a thank you for not prosecuting bankers. Um, but it, let, let me, I just want to finish through his thing because I have one more, uh, actually two more, really hot takes on this uh, on this whole situation. Um, I, so if this is further uh, Bernie comments. <clears throat> I think at a time when people are so frustrated with the power of Wall Street and big money interests, it is unfortunate that the president, uh, is former president, is doing this. Wall Street has incredible power, and I would have hoped that the president would not have given a speech like this. Um, so Bernie's pretty, you know, pretty, pretty strong on that. Um, so, I mean... What do you? <laughs> we talked a lot about it last week. We don't have to comment too too much further on on the actual what we think about Obama giving the speech. I mean, I think we both agree that it's at <laughs> at, at least an extremely horrible optic for him to be taking nearly half a million dollars from Wall Street the second he gets out of office after he got off his you know fly fishing trip or whatever parasailing whatever the fuck he was doing with Richard Branson. <laughs> um. So uh, regarding, but the, the, the real story this week was, was people commenting on Bernie and Elizabeth Warren having the gall to actually, you know, tell the truth about this situation. Well, um, as much of the truth as they could. Yeah, no, I, I you know. Or were choosing we, to. Because here's, I don't, it, politics is not difficult, especially nowadays and especially not in the United States of America. I mean, literally the only thing you have to do is be honest. Like, it is so rare and so impossible to find now. Just a shred of decency, of, of just simple humanity, is enough to elevate you to the national platform. It's, it's, it's that simple. And the fact that more people aren't doing it is astonishing. 
So I just want to read. I just want to read you guys. Um, former DNC chairman Debbie Wasserman Schultz was on uh, CNN today, or the other, or yesterday rather, and had some comments about uh, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren's comments. Uh, the former chair, uh, chairwoman of the DNC came out swinging Tuesday night in defense of former President Barack Obama's plan to accept $400,000 for a speech to Wall Street in September, urging critics such as Senator, Sa- and, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders and Senator Elizabeth Warren to, quote, mind their own business. Uh, Warren, a possible presidential candidate in 2020, said that she was, quote, troubled by Obama's decision, and Sanders, a former Democratic presidential candidate, told CNN it was not a good idea and distasteful. After being shown both criticisms during an interview with CNN, uh, CNN's Aaron Burnett out front, uh, Rep. Debbie Wasserman Schultz fired back that it is none of anyone's business what someone who is a member of the private sector uh, decides to accept in terms of compensation. With all due respect to anyone who chooses to comment publicly, and she can't even, she's such a coward, she can't even call them out by name. With, so, I'll repeat that. With all due respect to anyone who chooses to comment publicly on what Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, or anyone earns as a member of the private sector, she said, it's just like MYOB, it's none of your business, which is not what MYOB stands for, you goddamn moron. Um, Wasserman Schultz said that Obama and Clinton, who um, also faced criticism for paid speeches to Wall Street, though this, this is actually the best part of the entire uh, interview. So she said that Obama and Clinton, who both fa- uh, also faced criticism for paid speeches to Wall Street, both have pristine public records. They have both fought back against the big banks and their practices, and I have every confidence in the service that they both provided. So uh, before I rage on her, does anyone else want to, Adrian, you want to take a stab at the fact that Obama... You know what I'm going to say. She's a fucking cunt, man. She really is. I fucking hate her. I really do. I mean, oh I'm God. sorry to be so vulgar, but well, how else can you describe her? Why are they her? still having her on these shows? She, she's, she's, she, she is repulsive to anybody with a goddamn functioning brain that understands how party politics works. She's disgrace. Like, why? Yeah, exactly. Why the fuck are we still listening to her? She's horrible. <laughs> I mean, I will say this: we definitely failed any hope or attempt of trying to maintain the um, viewer age discretion limit <laughs> with our choice of nah, words. That's okay. But on on to those points, she was had to step down in ignominy. Why are we still listening to her because of that? Secondly, and most importantly, for the service they rendered to the <laughs> banking industry? No, no, no. No, she said for uh, the service uh, – okay, where is it? Um, they have pristine public records. They both fought back against the big banks was her quote. Really? Yeah. Because I think – I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I may very well be wrong. I think it was this – 2012 big old recession, or was that the 20... 2008 was was the big one. 2008. Okay, so 2008, there was this great recession, and I believe it was due to banks giving mortgages to anybody willy-nilly, and then there was this big old bubble, and it burst. And they were also... And 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 it's... Well, additionally, they were... They were elite... Well, it wasn't illegal, although it should have been. It used to be illegal... They were trading secu- uh, securities they knew would fail. So they were betting on 
faulty mortgage. It, it's it's super complicated, and I have a very base yeah, level they were, understand. They were playing Enron. My my point yeah, in, in making this extremely sarcastic remark is that despite all that, the illegality or the, at least the immoral ethical antics, what did the president do? He, did he jail them? Did he prosecute them? Did he push an agenda to save banks from themselves and to break them back up and to save people and to bail out the homeowners who just lost everything? No. No, 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 no. Instead, he gave a $1.5 trillion bailout to them that we've been spending each and every single fucking year. $1.5 trillion in corporate subsidies is what is going to these criminals from our tax dollars. No. I just... And it's just so ironic because... I mean, I know the, the article was talking about Hillary Clinton. Bill Clinton repealed Glass-Steagall. He repealed FDR's, you know, banking regulations, which which set the stage for this this whole bubble in the first place, set the stage for this this practice of uh, investment banks and um, uh, per, personal. I forget the other. But, you know, for the two banks to inter- intermingle, uh, it's just to say that either of them did a, a goddamn thing about. <laughs> the banks is just laughable. It's not laughable. It's infuriating. It, no, it's like, like it's... everything about this podcast has raised my blood pressure. <laughs> I need to drink more alcohol. Like I already went through one. Notice this was full when we started. This thing was gone about an hour ago. I'll tell you what. If they ever pass uh, nationwide recreational marijuana, we'll get stoned before we do these, so we don't get as worked up before. <laughs> well, I'm still in the reserve, so I still don't get to have that. So, oh, damn. <laughs> damn. Um. Okay, so, uh, so there was one. Uh, I mean, I, you know, a lot of idiots immediately came to Obama's defense because people had the gall to say that it looked bad for a president to take four hundred thousand dollars from Wall Street. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> but so, Trevor Noah had had some comments on the Daily Show. I'm sure uh, he did. Which I mean, okay, I'll, I'll just read through them. Um, Obama's back, and so are the haters. Trevor Noah said on Thursday's Daily Show. Uh, Haters, because we we're fucking poor and struggling to pay our rents, and we think that it's disgusting that he's taking four hundred. I'll, I'll keep reading, but I'm just just the framing alone is just infuriating. But um, the former president is taking a lot of heat for giving a speech to Wall Street firm Cantor Fitzgerald for a fat paycheck, but Noah wasn't buying the outrage. Ob- quote: Obama's getting four hundred thousand dollars to be a keynote speaker. He said. He's probably going to give a very important policy speech entitled The Four Boats I'm Going to Buy. Now, look, I know that people may say that it weakens public trust when politicians cash in immediately after leaving office, but uh, there should not be a but after that sentence. But at least Obama waited till after he left office, unlike President Trump, who's using the White House as an ATM machine. Uh, this and it gets even better or worse, you know, depending on how you want to call Quote, so the first black president must be the first president not to take corporate money afterwards. Uh, no, 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 my friend. He can't be the first of everything. Fuck that and fuck you. So Trevor Noah just just is the straw matter piling up in his in his mansion right now, because first of all, it, it's just not factually true that Obama would have been the first to not take corporate money. Jimmy Carter is the perfect example of what you do when you leave office. Jimmy Carter went and built fucking Habitat for Humanity homes after he left office. He did not, He turned down 
corporate speaking fees because he just was like, look, I'm, I, you know, I serve the American people. How horrible would it look if I started taking all these, you know, these fat checks from Wall Street and look like I'm being paid off? And he was right. Other presidents, Harry Truman, you don't need to take corporate money after you leave office. Obama got a $65 million book deal. What the fuck does he need $400,000 for to give this speech? But beyond that, it's so fucking disingenuous. And this is the same shit that that, uh, the Clinton camp was doing in the primaries to try to paint all Bernie supporters as sexist. To say that this has anything to do with the fact that the first black president that we're saying the first black president shouldn't take money. No, no president should take money from Wall Street after leaving office. It's fucking corrupt to the core. So Trevor Noah is a, a total goddamn moron. And it's, uh, you know, it's not surprising because I like I, you know, I, I tried to watch his show when he first started after Stewart left and I lasted for a few months. But I just. He, I, I, John Stewart. The great thing about Jon Stewart, and I don't know, I mean, did you guys watch back when he used to host The Daily Show? Yes. The great thing about Jon Stewart is that he understood that comedy, and especially political satire, means speaking truth to power, no matter who holds the power. Not fucking literally covering for oligarchs who are making $400,000 for an hour speech. You think John Stewart would have would have would have defended Obama taking four hundred thousand dollars from a shady Wall Street firm? Hell no. And I just I don't know I don't know why he was picked of all the people, but and I don't know if he doesn't know the fact that Jimmy Carter didn't take money and that Harry Truman never took that kind of money, but uh, you know. Well, he's a corporate tool. I mean, I don't know he if is. you guys saw the, the Humanist guy was did a video where he um, was saying that he can't even show Trevor Noah's image. He wanted to show a clip from The Daily Show. He couldn't show it, and he oh couldn't even God. show the, his image, okay, because Comedy Central owns it. And, and you know, Trevor Noah is also he, – he, he's also brought on Tommy Lahren and was, like, defending oh, her. Yeah. He's a he's, – he's fucking a, liberal who has her on. I'm sorry. That's yeah. just bullshit. But, I mean, why, why are you people defending this? This is indefensible. Like, what – fucking – Well, you know what he did? He put hope on the ballot. <laughs> It's just so. I mean, I, you know, I, I tell you all that because it's just, it's just really discouraging that that that's the kind of quote unquote lefty media that that that's being put out there. So we wonder why you know half the Democratic Party is misinformed. It's because you have morons like that trying to trying to change the narrative and and make it seem like it's totally cool to take four hundred thousand dollar checks from Wall Street. I just want to read you uh, a quote though. Uh, from Barack Obama's book, actually. This has been making the rounds on Twitter. You guys may or may not have seen this. Uh, This is from The Audacity of Hope. Few lobbyists prefer an explicit quid pro quo to elected officials. Their influence comes from having more access than the average voter, having better information, and more staying power when it comes to promoting an obscure provision in the tax code that means billions for their clients. For most politicians, money is not about maintaining status and power... It is about scaring off challengers and fighting off the fear. Money cannot guarantee a victory, but without money, you are pretty much guaranteed to lose. When I decided to run for Senate, I found myself spending time with these people of means. As a rule, they were smart, interesting people, expecting nothing more than a hearing of their opinions in exchange for their checks. 
but they reflected almost uniformly the perspectives of their class. I became more like the wealthy donors I met in the sense that I spent more time above the fray outside the world of hardship that of the people that I had entered public life to serve. So, uh, I don't know what the hell happened to that guy, but that, <laughs> that is spot on. And he seems to have totally lost track of, of that. I mean, that's pretty profound coming from him in 2009 or 2008, whenever that book was written. Yeah. Uh, it came out before the election, right? It was yeah, like his, I'm yeah. going to run for office book. Yeah. Or, or might've, you know, he, I'm sure he wrote it before the election at the very least. So he, he, he clearly understood the corrupting influence of money back then. Um, what the hell happened to him in the, in the eight years, in the intervening eight years? I mean, he didn't have a lot of experience when he started. Yeah. I think he got steamrolled. I mean, it was kind of obvious. Well, how do you get steamrolled? You're the president of the United States of America. If you sneeze, it makes headlines. If you lick your lips, it makes headlines. If you eat greasy freaking potato chips and wipe it on your shirt, it makes headlines. He failed in fulfilling his promise. Yes, he did. But Mm -hmm. do not say that it was due to his uh, being new. He was incompetent or weak or both. Now, it makes me a little bit angry because he has done a lot of good things uh, throughout his time, and he has prevented a lot of worse from happening. But you're right. The corrupting things that he has done are beyond uh, forgiveness, and yeah. it's disgusting. Because, again, it keeps going back to money and politics and all that, and to me, I just cannot fathom being handed a check for however much money and being told that if I don't do what I was told to give this money for, that it would somehow be taken away from me. And if I do accept this money, I have to do this thing that is going to negatively impact 318 million people. I don't know how I could sleep at night if I took that money, as paltry or as vast as it would be, and then turned right around and said, I'm going to sell out everything I I stand for and believe in. You know, and I think it hit him really hard and fast because I was reading a lot of articles about this. He, and I don't know how many of you guys have heard about this and I don't have the info in front of me, but you should, you know, look into it further. His whole cabinet was picked by Citigroup. He got an email from uh, a Citigroup executive that said, here's uh, five or six uh, African-American or Latino-American candidates that we would prefer you put into... So basically, they were like, "Look, this will get you. This will get you by with the with the liberal crowd because you'll say, oh, look, I'm I have the most diverse cabinet ever.' But these are also just happen to be the most pro business guys that a Citigroup executive picked for him. So I don't know how much money Citigroup gave to him in in his election campaign, but I think stuff like and, and by the way, he picked almost everybody on that list except for I think one person. Uh, so. He clearly he got hit hard and fast the second he got in there, and I and I think it might have been the people around him, and he was surrounding himself with you know Rahm Emanuel and all these other corrupt motherfuckers that like have no problem taking tons of money to to serve corporate interests. I, and I really think he's just he got bad advice from the get, and, it, and that mindset kind of set in for him. But I don't know. Uh, kind of what I was getting to with the inexperience. I don't, I don't think he knew the right people to take advice from, just like what Trump's going through right now, because he's inexperienced, too. He doesn't uh, know to take advice from, and he's taking it from a bunch of fucking clowns. By the way, I heard today that Jared Kushner, first of all, is $1 billion in debt. Second of all, he does a lot of business with George Soros. 
<laughs> Which is so ironic because liberal, bo- liberal boogeyman George Soros, who the right thinks is like, you know, funding every single piece of, of everything that, that that's anti-Trump. Paying yeah. for every protest. Yeah, I know. It's, it's so funny and ironic. But but you know that just speaks to the fact that they're it's all a fucking billion it's all a billionaires club like they all they're all yeah. in bed with each other, I mean Hillary Clinton was at Donald Trump's wedding or the other way around yeah. I don't know who, you know. No what? both I believe they they attended both of yeah. each other's. Oh no no they could he couldn't have been at Hillary's wedding. No no so no Hillary was at probably several of his weddings because he's had yeah. quite a few. Um, but. But he's so into traditional marriage, you know? Yeah, no, family values, you know. He cheats on he his wives so, constantly. He's so into putting America first that he doesn't even marry American. <laughs> Ugh, I don't know. But, you know, I mean, this is just, uh, you know, it, to close this all out, I think we see where the problem is and we just need to really push forward and and get people into office who actually are going to work towards fixing the problem, not... Uh, proliferate it and and further propagate these sorts of things that we're fighting against. Um, so uh, we should do some plugs real quick. Uh, you know, if you guys like what you hear, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And make sure you share uh, the podcast around because uh, the more listeners we get, the more this message gets out there, and that's you know what we all ultimately want. Uh, also, we are uh, in the middle of an Indiegogo campaign right now. Uh, we have uh, about 20 days to go, but we'd really appreciate it if you went over and checked that out and read through it. We're, we're trying to build... Uh, Sam, how would you describe the app we're trying to build right now? Well, we're trying to build an app, uh, and it's supposed to be everything that a political party is in the palm of your hand in a, in a mobile app. But that's not all the Indiegogo is for. It's also to help build the uh, base of our organization as well. The more backers we have, the larger our list becomes, and the more we can reach out to you who have been already invested in the process so that we can all start to fight back, organize, and win. So the we this Indiegogo is, in short, the fundraising um, campaign to build a new third-party structure for we the people to use. That's what I, how I would describe it. Yep. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, and, and the app is, you know, it's going it, to, once it's all up and running as we, as we uh, plan for it to be, it's going to help you uh, run for office, help you find other progressives in your area running for office. We, we, it's really, we want it to be a catch-all for all these progressive groups. I mean, right now, you know, as we talked about earlier, the left is so splintered into all these groups and, you know, Justice Democrats and brand new Congress and draft Bernie and, you know, Dem exit and all these things and DSA. So we want to, we, we want to be that one stop shop kind of that helps you find any kind of a progressive candidate running in your area, shows you uh, information about how to get yourself on the ballot. Who's, who's your incumbent, all that stuff. So, uh, and if I may jump in, too, yeah. we're also trying to do a rating system on who's currently in office. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our own GOTV and canvassing portion of the app as well. So you can tell us what your views are. Tell us what your policy beliefs are and then share it with your friends and family and neighbors. And then the final thing that we're trying to add is to find out and track the current legislation that's very being uh, looked at. Because one of the biggest issues is we never know what's being uh, viewed and discussed and uh, legislated in office. So we're going to keep a tracker of that as well, a live tracker all across the country. 
Yeah, so um, if you want to check that out, you can go to uh, Indiegogo.com slash projects slash our dash voice dash democracy hashtag. Uh, or you could just search. No, just that part. Yeah, just okay. the democracy. Okay. <clears throat> or you could just search for our voice democracy on uh, Indiegogo and you'll find it. So, yeah. Um, with that being said, uh, thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, we will do this again next week. We'll see you next week. Uh, we're hoping to drop these every Saturday. So um, keep an eye out for that. And yeah, remember to rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends and get the message out there. Uh, in the coming weeks, I'm in the process of lining up some interviews with uh, prominent progressive politicians. So we uh, will bring that to you as they come. Uh, thank you again for joining us here at United Not Silence, the Our Voice podcast. Mm-hmm.